This is the MDRT Podcast. A client event could mean something you host in person, something you host virtually, or even something a client invites you to during a Zoom conversation in August 2021. Bill Cates, Annapolis, Maryland. Tristan Harty, Chester, United Kingdom. Discussed important strategies to ensuring the success of these events and the opportunity they provide to meet people. Obviously, my expertise is in the area of referrals and introductions. And so I'm always going to say, go where people love you, go to the clients who love you, go to the clients who maybe have already given you referrals in the past, whether you ask for them or not. This is the path of least resistance for you, for them. It's really just a natural place to look. Also, I would suggest that you want to think in terms of social event opportunities. Now with COVID, that's been a little more difficult, but I've met many advisors, agents who are doing actually quite well doing social events virtually. And so that's a way to interact with clients. And the more interaction you have with clients... And the more social type interaction you have with clients, actually, the easier the referral process gets because not only they've already seen your value, they get a feel for the work you do, but when they like us and trust us, and I mean, really like us, where we become what I'll say in quotes, business friends, they not only want to bring our value to other people, they want to help us. And that's a very powerful combination where you can get both of those going at the same time. I would say that the secret sauce to creating advocates for your business, to actually getting people to talk about you a little bit more, is that business friendship. When they see your value and they also like you and want to help you. I would focus on that. And that's really for anyone in this business. So let me throw it over to Tristan and see what he might want to add to that. Yeah, I completely agree, Bill, particularly when it comes to the sort of, um, we refer to it as the trust-like respect sort of idea. The first part is to get a client to trust you. And normally that's not that difficult because you will have X amount of awards or you'll have qualifications behind you. So you're a naturally trusted member of the community. But getting them to actually like and respect you is the next step. And that's the bit that then allows you to ask for those referrals. The sort of a way of viewing it is, you want them to almost invite you to go to the golf course or whatever it is that you want to go and do, because that means they're happy to spend four hours in your presence, even if it's a frustrating sport. They're still happy to be with you. (laughs) True. You're right. I mean, I guess that's one of the barometers of a good relationship is when your clients start to invite you to something that they're doing. They invite you to a wedding, a confirmation, an outing of some sort. That's a great barometer, I think, that you really have built that business friendship. And by the way, if you ever do get invited to a client event, one thing you want to do is check with your client and say, you know, I I appreciate this. Looking forward to the event. Some people may ask me how I know you. And is it okay if I tell them I'm your financial advisor, you know, whatever insurance specialist, whatever words you want to use. And most of them will say, yes, sure, of course. Uh, Occasionally, some may want to be more private about it. But so first of all, that's good because now if someone asks you how you know them, you have permission to mention that. But also what you can now do is ask other people, how do you know Mr. and Mrs. Smith, right? And, and they'll tell you, and then they will turn and say, how do you know them? And that then gives you permission to mention the relationship there. So you're not at an event like that, the prospect. So please don't think about that. 
However, you can meet people. And then you go back to the Smiths and say, you know, I had a, I had a great conversation with George and, and Martha Washington. And can we talk about maybe a more formal introduction or how do you feel about me reaching out to them? So just to piggyback on what you said, Tristan, that those are great opportunities to meet people. Just you got to be a little careful, but you certainly want to do it. Definitely agree. And the key is to not jump the gun and try and prospect when you're at those events, because it can be difficult to not want, we're, we're used to just handing over business cards or doing email introductions and things like that. Right. And the key is to have a bit of patience and then wait until you next see the client and then ask them. And also one of the strange ones is a lot of people feel awkward just asking people for referrals. Oh, and yeah. Sometimes that can be that once you get used to doing it, it becomes a lot easier and you'll get a lot more out of it. And it's more that just getting used to doing it. What are some nuances when it comes to managing relationships with clients at social events? So a few things around that. I found that what frustrates a lot of advisors, agents, whatever term we want to use, financial professionals, because I know there's a mix of, of people listening. One of the, the, the challenges or frustrations is they tell clients, you know, feel free to bring a guest. And the client either doesn't bring anyone or the person they bring isn't necessarily interested or qualified to work with the advisor. And so that frustrates them sometimes. So I've, in the systems that I developed and what I teach in, in speeches and coaching and whatever I do, is kind of three types of events. And you'll see if you do the right type of event, then the answer to your question gets a little easier. So for instance, there is the appreciation event online, in person, whatever. We're just saying thank you. And you can say, feel free to bring a guest if you want, but you're not expecting it to happen. You're not disappointed if they don't. The purpose is just to say thank you. And there's a lot of value in just saying thank you to your clients. And again, that dynamic of people who come together who like you and trust you, leave liking you and trusting you more. Then there's the special invitation event. Now, the special invitation event is where the purpose of the event is for introductions. It's not just, oh, by the way, feel free to bring someone, which Tristan mentioned, and that can work, but it is purposeful here. And so how you talk about it to your clients, it's a little different. Say, we have these appreciation events. We encourage our clients to bring guests, but they don't have to. This event's a little bit different. We found that one of the best ways to meet folks who want to meet someone like us is in a social setting where we're not talking about business, we're getting to know each other socially, but they know they're there to meet us and they know, and they're open to that. And they're probably open to a follow-up after the event in most cases. So, you know, we'll send you an invite, we'll follow up. So it's very purposeful there. And then the third type of event, we call it a celebration event, which is kind of like an appreciation event, but you have a, an individual or a guest of honor or a couple, right? So it could be retirement parties. For my podcast, I interviewed Joe DeSena, who has done very well with retirement parties over the years. It could be a birthday, small birthday gathering. I met many people who built very successful practices with these little birthday events at each, you know, on the week of the birthday and a few colleagues from where they work come and join them and it just naturally turns into business. Could be an anniversary. So when people are invited and they know they're being invited to meet you in a social setting, but for a business umbrella surrounding that, right, then it's much easier. 
If it's not that, then what you usually want to do is you usually want to get on the phone with the guest of honor or the person who invited the guest and say, you know, I was thinking about calling the Joneses. We had a great conversation. What do you think about that? What's going on in our life that's important to them? Do you want to be involved in that introduction to make sure they feel comfortable? So you want to reach out to them and make sure you're doing the right thing in the right way. So that's just a little bit of my thinking around that. Yeah, definitely. I agree on that side as well, because one of the key things as well that perhaps with advisors or salespeople as a whole is that we can forget that we're also people. So we go to events and then someone mentions something and we go straight into sales mode. So for those, particularly those sort of aspiring to MDRT, I think the key is to not jump the gun and have the patience. Ultimately, referrals take time. You have to build your network to start with, whether that's through your clients or a network. And you've got to build that trust, that like, that respect. And it takes time. And I think one of the biggest problems that people have with asking for referrals or the way that they might do an event is they might only do it once. And actually, the first time is just a trial run. You can't expect the first time you do an event to get 50 referrals. In fact, if you get one, it's a massive success because the first time is a trial event. The amount of people I've met who said, oh, we did this event once and we didn't do it again because it didn't work. You're going, well, why not run it five times? I guarantee by the fifth time, providing there's nothing intrinsically wrong with the event, it will work. You just have to do it multiple times. Yeah, that's Patience is probably the key, I would say, when it comes to people expect instant results, particularly in our now sort of the younger generations, but also just the whole world, everything, you know, you want to get a taxi, you go on your phone, you click on Uber and three minutes later, it's at your door. So they think that when it comes to handing over money or doing life insurance, people want to just do exactly the same, but they actually don't. The people you should probably be chasing still want that level of service. So they're going to take their time to decide. So you've got to build that level of trust, especially at these events expect to have to do them multiple times rather than just once or twice. Yeah, I heartily agree with that. I've heard the same thing, Tristan, where people say, oh yeah, we tried a couple, it didn't really work. And I say, all right, well, let's, let's talk about that. When you say didn't work, what do you mean? You know, and, and it's not, the strategy isn't flawed, right? It's just the execution. And sometimes clients need to get used to doing these events. If, if you haven't done these for your clients, you know, they haven't thought about it. They're, they haven't geared up to it. And, and, and you got to mix the events up a little bit too. Some people would love to do a wine tasting. Some people would love to do an afternoon tea. Others, I don't, I'm too busy. I can't take the afternoon off or I don't drink wine. So you got to, you got to mix it up. A lot of folks I've met, they'll often have one signature event each year. A gentleman in Houston, I know does, goes to the racetrack. Another guy up in New Jersey does uh, a triple A baseball or maybe double A baseball and, you know, very affordable. They can almost get the whole stadium full of folks if they want. And so you got to mix it up and work through it a little bit. And it does take time to, for clients to get used to it and you to figure out what works and doesn't work. I'll tell you, it's a wonderful strategy. And as the pandemic lifts, you know, knock on wood, I'm knocking on my head for those of you listening that, you know, we'll get back to more of those in-person ones. If I can make a quick comment too about events, generally speaking, I personally have observed that smaller events tend to be better than the larger events. Because if you think about it, the purpose of an event is to connect. 
with people, with clients, with prospects. It's not just a wave. It's not just to shake a hand and say, you know, welcome, you know, enjoy yourself and then wave as they leave. It's to really have a bit of a conversation and build that non-business conversation opportunity with guests and with clients. And the larger the event, the less likely you can do that. Now you could, you know, if you work in an office and you have other advisors or agents, you can team up and get some economies of scale, but each of you doesn't have a lot of people. So what do I mean by small event? Well, if it's a dinner, probably one table with eight, a round table, eight, 10, 12 people at the most, right? So you, you're not hopping to table to table. If it's a wine tasting, chocolate appreciation, I've seen bourbon tasting, scotch tasting, all kinds of things. You got to be a little careful with the alcohol, but a little more because you're standing up and you're schmoozing and things like that. But I've seen people put on big events at movie theaters and luau's and baseball games. And, you know, the, it's fun. Clients appreciate it. The challenge is, are you making good connections with people? So just something to think about as you put these events together. And if you start with smaller events, it's not so daunting, right? You don't have to hire an event planner, which isn't a bad idea, by the way, if you haven't done events before, is to hire event planners. They're not very expensive uh, compared relative to the opportunity that you're going to create. So just a, a thought about that. Yeah, I completely agree on that, Bill. Because one of the key things we do to make sure as well that we're offering the right thing to the right clients is when they become a client, we then send them basically a feedback form straight away, basically what, what was really good, what was what can mm. we do better, so we can do the best change part within our business. Mm. But then we have a series of tick boxes at the bottom saying, what type of events are you interested in? So whether that's horse racing, wine tasting, Football of the round variety, so not soccer. <laughs> soccer. <laughs> football is what we call it on this side of the Atlantic. Um, yeah, everywhere so, in the world except for the US. <laughs> yes, yeah. but whatever it might be, we then know that those particular clients like those types of events. Right. So we invite them. If we're going to do an event like that, we'll invite them to an event. So let's say it was horse racing. We're going to get a box with probably about 15 people able to come, and we'll invite six or seven clients at a go and set and it'll be a well, would you like to bring someone else who also likes horse racing along right you know and then it becomes that sort of networking at the same time soft one because it's still a social event right but it, at least you're asking the right people and it's such a simple thing because it's just a little tick series of tick boxes from a feedback point you know we include it in the form where we ask how do you want to be contacted as it mm. post telephone email whatever it might be so they just fill it in every time and it gives us that data to decide what events we're going to run. If we've only got one client who likes a certain thing, unless they're a very big client, we're not going to do a one-to-one -one, uh, sort of event. But I definitely agree. If you're doing seminar style or appreciation style, as in larger one-off celebration events, you can go with the bigger numbers. Otherwise, in my opinion, you want to keep those numbers probably below 20 at all times because you just can't get around 20 people effectively over say two or three hours. I can't emphasize this idea of events and, and building these business friendships. And I know not every financial professional is inclined to do that, to you know extend themselves in that way and to create these social opportunities. But if you can, or if you can push your comfort zone a little bit to do it, you'll see the rewards over time. I mean, just from client engagement and loyalty and advocacy, but also the opportunity to meet new people. 
Tristan, when you think of your experience with these events, is there a time you remember that you chalk up to a learning experience? Let's take our client appreciation events. We do them now on round tables. The first one we did, it was all set up in like little rows for some reason, because we hadn't been specific enough and said round tables work better. Because the problem with rows is you can't, as a person, then walk around the rows to talk to people. If you're going between two or three tables, you can actually start, you can sit at the table or you stand at the side of the table and you can have a conversation with the table. And that was quite a big error from that sort of event side because it basically meant we couldn't create any personal connection other than with people sort of in the front row because you couldn't get to the people in the next rows. In terms of other events, there's obviously just been, we've had a few misfires, I guess, with sort of location. Actually, the location is quite important. If you pick the wrong type of place and perhaps the service isn't very good, the problem you then end up with is that that reflects on you. Even though you're wherever you are, which might be if you're at the races or if you're in a hotel doing something or a golf course, but the service is bad, it all ends up back on you. And we had a bit of a horror one where they're just the service was horrendous. And it basically meant that the event was a waste of time for us because the experience that the people who came to it, that they had, there's only so much we can do. I even remember someone spilling coffee on someone and it was sort of just like a, which doesn't sound, of course it was an accident, but at the same time, it was, it just added that sour note to the whole experience. So actually making sure that whatever you, if you're doing an event, try to have as much control as possible, but ensure that the service that is out of your control is also really good. So maybe go a couple of times yourself beforehand just to experience it. Yeah, I would also say, because I worked with an advisor who had this issue, go to the venue at the same time of day that your event will be held. And what happened with this gentleman is he went to the venue during the day, but his event was at night. And what he didn't realize is the parking lot that was rather large wasn't very well lit. And he had a few clients, older clients, who had to park kind of further away and walk, and they... I wouldn't say they were mad, but they, you know, they weren't comfortable. They, they complained a little bit, you know? And so pay attention to those sorts of things, pay attention to those details, you know, go the time, same time. And, and like Tristan said, experience their service a couple of times. Cause you know, your reputation to a degree depends on it. They wouldn't blame you if something wasn't right much, but they remember it, right? <laughs> they may give you a hard time. They may tease you the next time. So how do you apply this to a virtual event? I've seen a lot of great virtual things. Uh, my own advisor did. He's done a few virtual things. He did bingo, actually, of all things. And my wife and I did it. It was around lunchtime. She was actually between jobs. <laughs> and so she was there. And I'll tell you, the best thing I've seen that has worked very well for a particular client in Canada, his name is Eric, he's done these virtual wine tastings. And so he has a wine shop where, you know, in the town where he lives, where the owner, one of the managers, very knowledgeable about wine. And the client will either invite one couple or maybe a couple of couples, a few couples, and they gather together virtually. They make sure that everyone has the same bottle or two bottles of wine that they're going to be talked about. Sometimes the matching of cheese and meats and, you know, charcuterie and the people invited to the event know that they're being invited to meet the advisor in a social setting. 
So it's not just, hey, come to this event, you know, let's hope some chemistry hits. It's they know the purpose is there, but it's a social setting. And he's gotten a number of new clients from that. One other one I'll tell you is a gal in, also in Canada, Lisa Marie is her name, and she had a piano player, piano player singer, do a little thing. This is early on in COVID. And just an hour presentation, but she had charcuterie trays delivered to each attendee. So they had to register for this. So she knew who was attending her staff or her, some of her family members would deliver these things. And, and it was just a great time. And it just got so much social media buzz and so many rave thank yous that she did it again. And this time she encouraged clients to invite guests. And so the guests experienced the charcuterie tray, the special treatment, the whole thing. She did it five times. And without ever really doing anything other than saying, feel free to invite a guest, it wasn't about to introduce her to someone for business. She got new clients out of doing this. So it was just an event, but it turned into new clients anyway. She did it five times. And then when things lifted a little bit in Canada, they closed down again. But when they lifted a little bit, she actually had a concert with this same piano player and all the people that were online came and just appreciated it. it was a big gathering and people loved it. Do you have to test things out with virtual events the same way you would with an in-person event? If you're doing a virtual wine tasting or charcuterie event, do you have to order it yourself first? Well, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I have to trust the source, I guess. Let's put it that way. If I trust the source, then I probably wouldn't. Now, some people have done, you can buy these online things, online game shows, online trivia contests. There's things like that that one can get and use with clients. And I would definitely test that out maybe with some friends or family members, you know, just the mechanics of the app and that sort of thing. I would definitely test that. You you don't want to be learning how to work the app and fumbling through with clients. You want everything to be smooth. So I would say, yes, in some cases, you probably do want to test certain parts. Yeah, definitely. I would say it's more just making sure that like any presentation or any event, you're going to practice or work, sort of work out what you think might go wrong. Right. So you may as well do a dry run. I personally would be more than happy to do a dry run on a wine tasting while just testing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like one of the things as well is it's about providing that variety. But the thing is on Zoom, it's very easy to do tastings. Like you can do wine, gin, you know, whiskey, because you can get miniature bottles that you just send a bunch of different ones with some an expert who can tell you all about it. Obviously, you're going to have those people who don't want to do the alcohol side. So I think the concert one is a fantastic idea. And I'm intrigued to see how that would have sounded actually over Zoom as well, because I'm guessing they would obviously have great recording tech stuff to make it so when it comes through. But it's that sort of, it's making people feel engaged on Zoom. I think the one big thing about the any Zoom events that you would be doing, you've got to keep them shorter than in person because the in-person one, you can go for an hour or two hours, but on Zoom, you're probably looking at about 45 minutes and then people start to switch off. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that's a good point. Um, When my advisor did the uh, bingo, it definitely went longer than I and my wife were interested in. (laughs) All right. A few rounds were fine. (laughs) Um, but he did have things sent ahead of time, by the way, he had all, you know, he had all the bingo things sent and, you know, everything was just, everything was, uh, just handled very nicely. 
uh, came in the mail the day before and, and all that sort of thing. So uh, it, it's worth trying. It's worth experimenting with. And, and again, do it with the clients who love you and let them know it's your first attempt. You know, the clients who love you, the business friendship clients, right? You can tell, you can be so transparent with them and say, look, this is my first time trying this, you know, Oh, don't worry. We love you. You know? Yeah, sure. We'd love to try it out. You know? So, you know, you, you find those people that don't mind you experimenting on them, let them know. And, and if they know that, then they're not expecting it to be perfect. Um, but, you know, past that group, then you don't want to experiment because, you know, they judge you by how you'd be able to facilitate these things. Yeah, you just want to use the raving fans, as I would sort of yeah. describe them. Yeah. Um, I heard a great story once about what's the greatest brand in the world in terms of getting people to be raving fans. And everyone goes, oh, it's maybe it's Nike, maybe it's Sony. And no, it's not. It's Harley Davidson. Mm. And the reason Harley Davidson is the greatest one for raving fans is people get tattoos of Harley Davidson on their arms and their legs and all over themselves. <laughs> so pick, the, pick the people to test out the things who, obviously, hopefully they haven't gone and got your <laughs> insurance brand or life company as a, <laughs> a tattoo. But pick the people who you who are almost that level that they are actually raving fans of yours, and they'll tell everybody about how good you are to test these out on. Because they'll also be more likely to be honest with you and tell you if it's not a great idea or it just doesn't work, they're going to tell you, and then at least you're getting the feedback from the people that you trust. That's the end of this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, you can find us on SoundCloud and Spotify at MDRT Podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.